Thank you, Lord. Hey, if you spoke in tongues, prayed out of your spirit for the first time today, I encourage you to keep it up. You've got to make yourself do it. You can do it anytime you want, any place you want. You don't have to feel a thing to do it. You can pray in the spirit. Amen? I encourage you to do that. I encourage you to do that. <sighs> there is an inexcusable biblical pattern of the life of a Christian. And that life that is inexcusable is you and I must walk in a high level of love. You got to be able to walk in a high level of love. That don't mean you're going to be a super gushy person and you're going to be so kind and so tender to everybody all the time that no one ever thinks anything mean, mean of you. When you hear, <laughs> this is your chance to leave right now if you want to. Because <laughs> we're going to go through some scriptures and we're going to go through what the scriptures are actually saying. You can leave that way down if you want, brother. It's fine with me. Thank you. And there's some things that it says that I am amazed. My wife asked me, would you speak on love? You know, a week or two, a month or two ago, whatever it was. I said, we just went through 12 weeks very nicely. We just went through about 12 weeks of teaching on building relationships that last. And teaching on love, training on how to walk in love was part of those teachings on Tuesday night. Amen? They're very strong, very powerful teachers. It's actually training on it. <laughs> Glory to God. Tuesday nights are wonderful, man. It isn't like right now. And uh, so I didn't, because she asked me to, I started asking the Lord, okay, give me a message. I haven't spoken in a while, and I probably ought to speak. Would you give me a message? And this message bubbled up, and this message came to me. And so I thought, my lightning fast mind figured out, okay, that's obviously what you want me to talk about. So I will. Hallelujah. If I have your help, I'll do it. And do you think you get his help when you ask him if you got his help? Of course you do. So Jesus gave us some things about this in John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. You can turn there if you want. I have all my scriptures on my notes, and so I'll read them. You can just take notes if you would like, and it's John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. And Jesus said, A new commandment I give unto you, the audacity of this guy. Who does he think he is? There's already ten commandments, and God gave them to us. Now, this man is going to say, I have a new commandment that I'm going to give you. Number 11. <laughs> Could you imagine the churchgoers back then thinking, who does he think he is? <laughs> Only God can give commandments. He is God. Thank you, Jesus. In fact, what was told Mary was this holy child, this holy thing that shall be born of you shall be called the Son of God. <laughs> Amen. Isaiah prophesied he's going to be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. So when Jesus said, I've got a new commandment I'm fixing to give you, it is law. And here's his commandment, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. Just like I've been loving y'all, y'all need to love one another just like that. 
by this, this is the way, this is the gauge, this is the test, this is the means that all men shall know that you are my disciples or my students or my trainees if you have love one to another. Commandment number 11. It's not easy to always obey his commandments. And then he gives us another one, another commandment. So if the first 10 weren't easy to obey, then number 11 sure isn't going to be easy to obey. Hallelujah. There's some other things that I would consider basically commandments in the Bible. They're straight out, this is what you do, this is what you don't do in the Bible. Two of them are husbands, honor your wives. Give honor unto your wife as unto the weaker vessel. Amen? And see, to honor someone isn't to call them great names and all these things. Name calling like you would call, some people call me pastor. I steer away from that a lot, but we call Andrew pastor. Actually, if you ever hear me, I say Andrew Lombardo, who is a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, who's called to be pastor of the Mission Church. You know, that's really scriptural right there. There's not one person in the Bible who has their title first. And if you go watch what Jesus taught about that, you will really steer from that. <laughs> Amen. OK, but when you honor someone, you find what their pet peeves are and you do their pet peeves to them or for them. And that is really honoring them. So I had to go find out what my wife's pet peeves were and do them. And, you know, it gives great peace in our home when I am ahead of her on the pet pee department. <laughs> Hallelujah. It really does. And, you know. Paul said, I've got things to say to you, but it's really hard to say them to you. And there's people all over the world who watch this. So the next thing I'm fixing to say is really hard to. It's like Fonzie saying, I love you. Okay. Then the Bible says to wives, wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands as unto the Lord. And so when the husband is serving the Lord and he says, this is direct, the direction that I understand that the Lord wants us to go, then the wife basically has to say, do you really feel that's the direction? Do you really think that's the direction the Lord wants us to go? If it is, then I will walk with you. I mean, th there's two things right there. If I don't honor... My prayers will be hindered. If the wife don't walk with me, then things won't go well. Amen. And Paul went on to say, or yeah, Paul went on to say that even as the church is supposed to do that to Jesus. Could you imagine me being a member of Jesus's body and saying, uh, Jesus, I know you want me part of your body to do this, but I haven't heard from God to do that. I'm following God. Jesus, you do your thing, I'll do my thing, and we're both following the Lord. Dangerous territories, okay? Just as strong to me as love one another, even as I have loved you. 
okay? <laughs> I know where we're headed. That's why, to me, I'm sorry. It's, it's funny. Okay, it, uh, it's not easy to do this. So I'm not hiding anything from you. Walking in love is not the easiest thing in the world to do. Obeying the commandments are not the easiest thing in the world to do. And it is really especially hard on pride-filled, stubborn, not willing to submit to Scripture churchgoers. And it's especially hard on people who neglect being members of the church or faithful members of the church. It's especially hard. So it's hard on some people not to have something more important than God in their life. I'm going to go through the Ten Commandments. It's hard on some people to not have an idol. Every time I've seen the word idol through all our teachings in the last few months, it bubbles up on me. Uh, what's an idol? We think of it as some little statue that you pay homage to. You know what an idol is? Anything you pay homage to when someone interrupts your homage to your idol, you're getting mad at them. You're watching your favorite TV show. Hey, quiet down! I'm, you know that I watch this show every week. I'm, I'm going to go fishing this Saturday. I, and you're asked to do something else. You know I've been planning this trip for three weeks. This is the only day it's good weather. No, I'm not going to do so. I'm not going to help someone. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to, you're my idol, my thing I give homage to has got me to the place where I will refuse to do something else or I will get angry because someone is in the way of my idol. You know what I learned? That's time for me to take the stinking keys to the boat, throw them in the boat until I have control over that stupid boat and those stupid fishing poles, and someone can ask me, hey, what are you doing Saturday? I was, well, what do you need? This is what I need. I was planning on doing my own thing. I changed my own thing because that thing is not going to rule over me. That stupid TV remote needs to be put under your back tire if you park on a hill and you leave your driveway in reverse and get in there and roll that thing. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> that is the biggest addiction in America. Okay, it's very hard. Did you catch what an idol is? Dangerous. Dangerous. It's very hard on some people to not take God's name in vain. It's very hard on some people to... Not re to not remember to hang out with the Lord one day a week, which King James says, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. It's very hard on some people to honor their father and mother, which is find your father and mother's pet peeves. Take the trash out. Cut the yard. Don't make me do everything. Amen. Okay. Uh, it's very hard on some people to not have sex outside marriage, and it's very hard on some people to not commit adultery or even TV adultery. It's very hard on some people not to steal, and it's very hard on some people not to lie, and it's very hard on some people not to hate people, which the Lord considers the same thing as murder. It's very hard on some people not to covet things that other people have. I mean, you get mad at brother so-and-so because he's got something better than you, or you get mad at sister so-and-so because they look more fit, trim and slim than you do and they wear clothes that you think you should have, and you get mad at them. And since those ten basic commandments, since those ten basic things have been around a very long time, and they are very hard to do, <laughs> glory to God, then this new commandment that God has given us will definitely not be the easiest thing in the world to do.
live the high level of love life. Agape love. High level love. Agape. The Lord knew that this would be hard on us. He knew this would be hard on us. And in order for him to be fair and just, he's going to have to take this agape love, this high level love, and he's going to have to put it in a place where we have access to it all the time. And he's going to have to put it in such an amount in us that it is more than enough for us to live the high level of love life. And I thank God he did. You know, in Romans chapter 5, verse 5, it says that he has taken the love of God and shed it abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. And that word shed abroad actually means he's taken his love, he's put it in us in such an amount that it's gushing out, and it wants to be used to reach out to others. It is overflowing. It is in such a tremendous amount that is pouring out. It is spilling out. It has been stowed and poured out on and it runs out. And he is greedy about us that we let this come out. So he has placed his love in us, his high level, his agape, his overflowing love, his ability to walk in love. It is inside of us. The main problem is, will your carnal mind yield to your spirit and let this love come out? If you've given your life to Jesus, if you've said, Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and Savior, then this love is in you. And it's not in you in a tiny little bit. It was not measured to you. It was given in such an abundance that it is excessive. He had to do that because this commandment to love is major importance to us. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay. This is the main reason why some people never see anything happen just strictly by faith. Because they don't override their carnal mind and allow themselves to walk in a high level of love, and therefore that love is contained inside them. And Galatians chapter 5, verse 6 says that neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything. Doing certain things in the Bible doesn't produce results that faith will. They're obedience, but for you to produce results, you've got to walk in love. And then it goes on in Galatians to say, but faith, is what produces or avails, and faith works by love. And you know that word right there, if you go look it up, I spent a lot of time looking up words in the Bible. That's where I come up with a lot of this, and I have a uh, mentor who trains me in these scriptures a lot. And uh, that word love there is the same word, agape, high-level love, and it says faith works by high-level love. And since some people don't walk in this high level love and their spiritual strength is at a low level, when it comes time to use their faith to actually produce something, they may say all the right things. I believe I receive. I speak to this mountain. I do this. I say that. I believe this. I'm healed. By Jesus' stripes, I'm healed. And they're using their faith in all these things. And their faith does have the power within itself to perform these things for them. But faith must be backed up and enforced by high-level love in order for your faith to produce the results that you want it to produce. 
I say that's why a lot of people never, never see anything accomplished much in their life by faith. Because they've never learned to walk in this high level of love. Amen? Amen. And if you can't make yourself walk in love, then your life is a product of what you have been able to accomplish solely by the natural means of living. Which isn't bad, but there's a higher way to live. Hallelujah. An easier way to live. Glory be to God. You're going to be fighting the devil anyway. You might as well fight him with everything you got that heaven has released for us. <laughs> Amen. Who wants to be fair to him? Okay. To walk in this high level of love, you have to humble yourself. To walk in this high level of love, you have to deny yourself. And you have to control yourself. And you have to crucify yourself to walk in this level of love. This high level of love. I'm going to show you a test that Jesus gave us. A test that he uses to examine of how much you actually really love him. Okay? He gave a test. This is in John chapter 14, verse 21 and verse 23 and verse 24. He that hath my commandments. Well, how do you get the commandments? By your knowledge of God's word. Amen? If you want to know what God said, go get in his word and find out what he said. There's so many avenues now to learn God's word. You can take your electronic device and pull up message after message after message. I play the Bible every, every night. Every night the Bible is playing. I wake up in the middle of the night and I think, cool, that says that. I wish I wouldn't have heard that. You know what I mean? Back to the <laughs> and so I play it every night. I've went through the Bible probably five or six times this year, and I've went through Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Lamentations, probably ten times, and I've went through the New Testament probably eight or ten times. Amen? Sneaky, 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 sneaky. I told you, you don't have to be fair with the devil. Amen. Glory be to God. you got to get this stuff in you. Amen? He says, He that hath my commandments and keeps them. Why did he have to say that? He that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. So there's Jesus' rule, his gauge of how much do, does Paul love me. Let's see how much word he has in him, and let's see how much word he is keeping and living by. Oh, he really don't love me that much. And he that loves me shall be loved to my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. I love that word manifest. You know what that means? It goes from being invisible to visible. I like it when Jesus shows up and things happen, and I think, the only way that could have happened is Jesus did that. I like that. Amen? Okay. He that loves me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. Verse 23, Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. And he that loves me not does not keep my sayings. Ignores them. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. This is, I'm going to read it out of the message. The person who knows my commandments and keeps them, a student of the word. The person who knows my commandments and keeps them. It's not easy to get in the word. It's not easy to open your Bible. It's a lot easier to leave it in the back seat of your car. And when you get home and Sunday... Oh, my Bible's in the car. That's right. Okay. The person who knows my commandments and keeps them, that's who loves me. 
And the person who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and my, make myself plain to him. Is that not nice? Thank you, Jesus. All we got to do is love him and know his word, and he's going to make himself plain to you. If you haven't had Jesus making himself plain to you, then I can tell you why you haven't been make, Jesus hasn't been making himself plain to you or revealing himself to you. I won't even tell you because your lightning fast mind is saying it to yourself right now. Okay? Then Jesus says this, Because a loveless world is a sightless world. A wordless world is a world that will never see Jesus' movement. A wordless person will never see Jesus move much in their life. Okay? Because a loveless world, Jesus said, is a sightless world. If anyone loves me, he will carefully keep my word and my Father will love him. We'll move right into the neighborhood. Not loving me means not keeping my words. So let me ask you a question. Where is your level of your knowledge of God's Word. Even stronger, where is your working level of your knowledge of God's Word? Working level means what are you actually acting on? You come across someone, God unlocks their hearts. I'm sharing a secret with you right now. God unlocks their heart, you get near them, and out of their mouth comes, oh man, I'm really hurting. Oh man, my child, I'm so hurting for my child. Oh man, I'm broken. I don't know if I'm going to be able to pay my bills. Oh man, see, their heart has been unlocked because of God's presence in your life. So when you get near them, He unlocks their heart. They start spilling the beans of what's going on in their life. Their troubles start coming out because Jesus is saying to you, you are my only contact to them and I want to help them. Would you ask if you can pray for them? He doesn't say it like that to us. But that's what he actually means, okay? It's, your, it's my chance to get them. You're my vessel. I'm in you. My love is in you. Let my love out. Ask them, ask them, ask them if I can help them. Can Jesus help you? Would you like him to help you? Yes. Can I pray for you? Yes. Okay, Father, in Jesus' name. And you just leave it like that. That was a big secret right there. You know what that is? That is a working level of your knowledge of God's word that you're supposed to pray for people and let Jesus touch people. Was that really hard to do? <sighs> I remember when I was, I was a long-haired, dope-smoking, vulgar-mouthed, cigarette-smoking hippie, and I got saved. I received Jesus as my Lord. And when I did, I learned the scripture, Romans 10, 10, that if you confess with your mouth Jesus as your Lord, okay, and what I was taught by the church I was going to, that that actually means that if you tell others that Jesus is your Lord. So instantly I realized long-haired, dope-smoking, <laughs> Cigarette smoking, vulgar mouth. I mean, for two years after I was still, everything had come out of my mouth. You rotten, blah, blah, blah. I mean, I'm saved as can be. That's all I knew. Okay? And so, uh, but I knew the scripture that said you've got to tell other people that Jesus is your Lord. So just about everybody I met, hey, I'm Paul Parasage. Jesus is my Lord. But I also knew, hey, I'm Paul Parasage. Jesus is my Lord. Have you ever received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And I would do that to pretty much everybody. Because I knew. Amen? I was acting on what I knew. I was doing the word. Even though I was still looking like a vulgar mouth, cigarette smoking, long haired, stoned all the time out of my. It was more like this. Hey, dude, man, what's going on, sister? Jesus is my Lord. I'm Paul. If you ever, like, dude, if you ever received Jesus as your Lord, man, you know, it was more like that, okay? And, uh, 
And then I learned another scripture in Mark chapter 16, verse 15. says, preach the gospel to every creature. And the gospel to me was, have you ever received Jesus as your Lord? So I'm doing both of what I know. In the shape I was in, I'm still doing the word. When you start walking in this high level of love, you're going to be loving Jesus by doing his word. And by doing his word, you're going to be giving him opportunity to straighten me out or to straighten you out to the place where you are beneficial to his kingdom. That's a very good thing. You know that? Jesus never came to me and condemned me. You need to cut your hair up. Oh, you need to clean that vulgar mouth of yours up, son. You need never condemn me. You know what he did? The word of God is profitable for correction. So he would send his word to me. And his word to me said, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, save that which is good to the use of edifying. So I realized I'm not supposed to be cussing like I'm cussing. I'm not supposed to be letting this corrupt communication come out of me. How do I clean my mouth up, Lord? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I've got to get your word in my heart in more abundance than these cuss words, because obviously these cuss words are in abundance in my heart more than your word. So I've got to get more of your word in my heart so these cuss words are second and your word is first. And it happened. Otherwise, if it didn't happen, I'd already cussed y'all out two or three times right now. (laughs) Okay, so what we're going to do is we're going to look at this high level of love, God's love. We're going to look at what it does and how it does and how it does not operate. Are you okay with that? Are you ready? Amen. You're okay? Hallelujah. Here's the meaning of the definition of agape, God's love, which the King James says, Charity. If you go look up in your concordance, which you use all the time, and you look up all kinds of words in the Bible all the time so you know how to study your Bible correctly, and I'm so glad you do that. Glory be to God. If you look up the word charity, the word charity is actually translated from the word agape. Yes. And here's the meaning of agape, a divine love that gives and gives even if it's never responded to, thanked, or acknowledged. This love occurs when an individual sees, recognizes, understands, or appreciates the value of an object or a person, causing the viewer to behold this object or person in in great esteem, in great awe, admiration. Some words are hard for me to say. (laughs) Admiration, wonder, and sincere appreciation. Such great respect is awakened in the heart of the observer for the object or person he is beholding that he is compelled to love it. A love for a person or object that is irresistible. A love so profound that it knows no limits or boundaries in how far, wide, high, and deep it will go to show that love to its recipients. A self-sacrificial love that moves the lover to action. Is that a great definition of that? Hallelujah. One of my mentors is a, is a Greek scholar, and I get a lot of these things from him. I'm going to read to you 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 through 8, out of the King James, okay? Because this is the place where we call it the love chapter, all right? And this is where it speaks of what we're going to... We're just going to take a couple verses out of here. 
I don't, I don't think you could handle verse 2, 3, and 4. So we're going to do a little bit of part verse 1, and we're going to skip to verse 5, <laughs> okay? Maybe some other time we'll be able to uh, speak these other verses in there. Though I speak, this is 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Though I speak with tongues of men and angels, and have not charity, or have not love, or have not this high level of love. Now you got to recognize something. I do this, other people do this. I will say about myself when I'm talking to others instead of say you. And that's what Paul is doing here because he's speaking to Corinthians. And these Corinthians, are a lot of them were transvestites, homosexuals, male and female prostitutes. A lot of them were drunks and thieves and pickpockets and swindlers and liars and deceivers and haters. I mean, that's who, this is who he's talking to. This is his church members right here. Glory be to God. I could have fit right in there at day one. Are you going to the Corinthian church? Will they let me? Yeah, they let long-haired, dope-smoking, vulgar-mouthed, cigarette-smoking hippies in there. Come on, bro, let's go. Yo, dude, really, man? Okay, that's who Paul was ministering to. And so Paul turns this and he says, I speak with tongues of men and angels and have not this high level of love. I am become as sounding brass or a tingling cymbal. I want to say something right here about sounding brass. I wrote it in my notes and I want to say this to you, sounding brass and tingling cymbal. Perhaps we'll go over this whole thing one time, but sounding brass means rever reverberate over and 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 over. I work on job sites sometimes. I help a friend of mine in his business, and one of the guys, some of the guys who work with us, they play the radio, and I call it rerun radio. They play country music, which I'm not against country music, but they play the same stinking songs every 15 minutes. They just play that stinking song. Rerun radio. Can someone please change the channel? That is driving me nuts. Or they'll put on Christian station, and the Christian station will do the same thing, and I'll think, oh, I cannot take that song. I went on a youth trip one time, and they had this most beautiful song that had just come out, and it was so beautiful. By the time we were headed back from that uh, youth trip, I thought I never knew I couldn't stand that song. And uh, so that's, that's what this is saying here, okay? This is saying... I am become as sounding brass over and over and over, repetition, 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 enough to drive you nuts. And then the word brass would be, to make it just brief, is like as if someone has a hollow thing that's formed out of brass or copper or both of them mixed like cymbals or brass and copper mixed. The guy who came up with the cymbals is beautiful what he did. But if someone beats on that cymbal all the time, you'll think, come on, man, give me a break, stop. If you buy your kids a set of drums, we believe for Joel a set of drums when he was young and we got him by faith. And thank God he had already been trained in school how to play the drums, so to play the drums at home wasn't a big deal. You never, I don't think I ever said, stop! But, uh, okay, that's what it's like. Or this relates to someone who has a pocket full of change and they're talking to you or they're preaching and they're digging in their change. And you, you know what I mean? <laughs> you think, does the beanhead not know that he is completely distracting me? Okay, that's what this is saying here. Though I am become as sounding brass or a tingling cymbal. Listen to what tingling cymbal means. One of the meanings of tingling is to vociferate. And it means to shout, complain, or argue loudly, or vehemently, or cursing and yelling, 
constantly for hours and hours and hours. I don't know if you've ever been around someone who does that. I've been around folks who do that. I've been around in the jail, and in the jail, the meanest people were the Muslims. I would walk in and start teaching a lesson, preaching a lesson, having fun with everybody, and the Muslim would be locked up screaming and cursing and yelling and saying, I'm teaching false stuff, I'm the wrong, teaching the wrong, I mean screaming vulgarities the whole time. And the guys would say, do you not recognize what I don't pay attention to that. I'm not here for him. I'm here for you. And guess what? He's by the wayside, and he's hearing what the sower is sowing. So the word is going into him right now, even though he's yelling and screaming. Okay? And that's what this is saying. This is saying tingling symbols, someone who is cursing and yelling and screaming for hours and hours and hours. And you know what you want to tell them? What do you want to tell them? What do you want to tell them? Yeah, you don't want to say, shut up. You want to say, shut up. <laughs> Amen. That's what Paul is saying here. If I'm not living in this high level of love, then I could possibly be driving people nuts with my repetition stupidity of what I think is spiritual. And over and over and over, I'm driving them crazy doing it. Okay. That's what he's saying. Or tingling symbol. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries, hallelujah, they're prophetic. They're able to speak edification, exhortation, and comfort. He didn't say, I am a prophet, so I speak of future things. He said, I'm able to, though I'm able to speak of edification, exhortation, and comfort, though I have and understand all mysteries, revelation knowledge, and all knowledge, the knowledge of the Lord increasing to me. He's always showing me things. And though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, glory be to God. You know, I got all faith because he's got a lot of knowledge of God's word because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Okay, and I could remove mountains, but I do not have this high level of love. I'm nothing. Zero. If you go look up the meaning of I am nothing, it means I'm not even counted to be like a man or a woman. I am so far down on the register scale of human life that I'm a zero to the Lord. Isn't that amazing? Did you know that was in here? Glory be to God. Okay, and then he says, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, I'm the biggest giver you ever met. I have a friend and he, he says stuff like this. You know, I am so proud of how humble I am. Okay, and, then, no, <laughs> and though I give my body to be burned, in other words, I minister, I do ministry stuff, or I'm always involved in ministry stuff, and I give my body to be burned, and have not this high level of love, it profits me nothing. High level of love suffers long. High level of love is kind. High level of love does not envy. High level of love does not make itself into something, does not vaunt itself, is not puffed up, does not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, and high level of love will never fail. Glory to God. There's a lot in there. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I want to read to you. I want to read to you the RIV version of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. Okay? Even if I converse fluently in the languages of men and of angels, but do not possess love, then it's all nothing more than empty, hollow sounds. People like this, who claim to be super spiritual but lack love sound a lot like a non-stop banging and clanging of pagan brass instruments in your city that make you wish would stop. 
Those who go around pretending to be so deeply spiritual, but who are sorely deficient in love, are so annoying that when you feel trapped in a vicinity near them, you'll begin to look for any way to escape from being trapped with them. Even if they say all the right things, their lack of love makes them as grating on your nerves as the clanging brass instruments that make you want to scream, Stop it and stop it now! Let's be honest. There's more of it. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. Let's be honest. These super spiritual motor mouths talk incessantly about how spiritual they are, how spiritual they are. but their absence of love makes it nothing more than a bunch of verbal hullabaloo. The hyped up spiritual talk of these folks who demonstrate zero love to match their words, is so offensive and nauseating that it can nearly call your flesh to battle just to get them to shut up. Is that a good interpretive version of that? That is really exactly what 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 says. I told you when I started. <laughs> I knew what I was going to be saying to you. Amen. Hallelujah. I found, uh, look, the Lord teaches us things to correct us. Uh, hmm, you got on me. There you go. Okay. I, testimony. I've been in services before, and someone comes to me, and they're one of these people. I had to learn how to not be one of those people. And literally, I mean, they cl want to close to your face speakers. I think, you spit when you talk. Please don't get close to me. You cough constantly in my face. Stop, stop, please, please. Here they come, here they come. And they get, and so I, on that row, end of a row of pews, pews is this time that I'm thinking of, and here they come, and I think, okay, I've got them. They're going to stand here, I'm going to stand here, we're both on a row of pews, and I'm going to step about two pews over and look at them, and there we're going to have distance. So what do they do? They come around. And I thought, I'm going to see how far they'll go. <laughs> so I start listening to them, and I keep backing up. I keep backing up. I went completely all the way around the whole row of pews, and they're still wanting to be this close to my face, and I'm thinking, don't you recognize what I'm doing? Please, please, please. <laughs> Can't we talk at a distance? Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay. And so they were so determined to stay right in my face and, and, and just a complete circle. You know, I've done that several times in life. I've thought, okay, I'm going to try it again. I'm going to try and get away. I don't mind hearing for a minute or two, but, man, I've got stuff to do. Like when I'm here, I'm working. And I've really offended some people before because someone has come to me and said, so-and-so needs to know this. And they were an important person. And so I thought, okay, I got it. I got it. I'll handle it. And so I went down and talked to them, and someone was standing next to them who was important. And I didn't say nothing to them. We're in worship. They're worshiping. I'm not about to interrupt somebody in worship. And then a few weeks later, I get a phone call. You really offended me because you went and talked to so-and-so, and you didn't say a word to me. I thought, here's what I actually think. You have got to stink and be kidding me. <laughs> <Amen>. <laughs> so I explain, when I'm there, I'm working. Sorry, next time I'll make sure I talk to you. Well, it won't make any difference because now you're just going to do it because I told you. Okay, okay. why'd you tell me that? All right, so note, here's a little side note. If you pray for people and you minister edification, exhortation, comfort to people, when you're in 
prayer to them. Don't pray like this. Father, I pray for Stephanie in Jesus' name that you touch her today, Lord. And here's a word for you, Stephanie. The Lord is going to put in your mailbox $6 million. And when he puts it in there, $5.5 million comes back to me. Okay? But the other, all right, being that close, she's thinking, this stinking breath is about to drive me nuts. And they stand there and start holding their breath. Turn your face and pray your prayer and prophesy. Your breath mint, they don't want to breathe your breath mint. Even though it helps some, it doesn't help all the way. Let them be able to enjoy your prayer and enjoy your word and have some ministry etiquette and realize I don't have to speak right in their face. I have to speak in their ear. I love how Dick Partridge said it to me. He said, here's how I do it, Brother Paul. And then nothing's distracting them, nothing's pulling away. Amen? That's just a little church house etiquette, okay? So let's move on. Okay, okay, okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. We're going to start in the middle here. It says, seeketh not her own. Seeketh not her own. The Greek word for this is zeteo. And the meaning of it is a negative word, okay? Seeketh not her own is a negative word, and it depicts one so upset about not getting what he wants that he turned to the court system to sue or to demand what he is wanting to obtain. Zeteo. It is also a person so intent on getting his own way that he will search, seek, and investigate, never giving up in pursuit to get what he wants. It could denote a scheming individual who manipulates people, events, and circumstances to get what he wants. That is the meaning of seeketh not her own. Is that not amazing? Okay, and then this is a picture of a manipulative. The, the Bible says love is not like this. High-level love is not scheming, manipulative, wanting to have their own way, doing anything you want to, everything you can to obtain that, okay? This is a picture of a manip manipulative, scheming, conniving, so upset person that they twist facts, they look for loopholes, they say people made promises that they really never made, and they seek to twist situations to fit their own advantage. Seeketh not her own. You know, when I read that, I thought, isn't it amazing he used a woman? <laughs> her own? It didn't say seeketh not his own? I'm sorry, I'm just picking, just picking, just picking. Okay. Paul says that the agape love, the high level of love, does not operate with seeking their own. It is not manipulative. It is not scheming. It is not conniving. Agape, high level of love, does not twist facts. High level of love does not put words in people's mouths that they did not say. And the agape love, the high level of love, the love of God, does not operate according to a secret agenda. I used to go a lot of places with a pastor. I mean, I was his sidekick, and we went everywhere. And he would tell me once in a while, I appreciate you coming with me because you don't have an agenda. I'd say, well, if I liked you, I might have one, but I really don't. <laughs> you know, that's just messing with me. Okay, you can't have an agenda. High level of love does not go with agendas. Amen? Lord, I pray that it's not me, that we don't do this, and that these people aren't like this, Lord. I pray that we walk in a high level of love. I pray this for us, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen? And then if you're pr prone to behave in this manner, then self-correct. Self-correct. If you're prone to behave in this manner, 
change your ways. Change this. Rewind this video and listen to that over and over and over and over till you correct yourself in this area. Hallelujah. Then it goes on to say in chapter 13, verse 5, this high level of love is not easily provoked. God's love is not easily provoked. The love that is deposited in you the life of high-level love that you and I are supposed to live is not easily provoked. A little side note here, the translators of the King James Bible, I've heard this from people who taught that the translators of the King James, thank God for King James, we were probably related when you hear that what I'm going to say. His last name might have been Perisic. Amen. But uh, the translators, when they were translating is not easily provoked. Easily is not in their original writings of the Bible. But they put that in there because James, the king, would fly off the handle very easily. Amen? <laughs> so they, for his eyes, when he read the translation, they, he would read, is not easily provoked, and they were hoping he would catch it and say, I shouldn't fly off the handle so easily. But it actually just says provoked. Okay? So love, the high level of love, is not provoked. And here's the meaning of provoked. It comes from two words, para and zuxos. And it, uh, para means alongside, and zuxos means to poke, to prick, or to stick as with a sharp instrument. When you compound the two words together, para zuxos, it says it is portrayed as someone who comes alongside another and then begins to poke to prick them, and to stick that person with some type of sharpened instrument. He continues to prick, poke, and stick until the victim becomes provoked. So what it does then, another part of this is to call into combat, to irritate, to incite, to anger, to inflame, to enrage. <laughs> I mean, hallelujah, I've done that to people before. And people have done it to me before, and you know what I've said? You're really starting to make me hot. That burns me up. That is irritating me. <laughs> in the King James, it's neat when you hear what it really says, isn't it? It is so beautiful. Glory be to God. This is the same word that is used in Acts chapter 15, verse 39. The same word. This is a story of where Paul and Barnabas got into a highly argumentative situation. And I'm going to read it to you. Some days after Paul and Barnabas, uh, after, some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, let us go again and visit the brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. And Barnabas determined, key word, hmm, let's take with us John, whose surname was Mark, which is actually his nephew. But Paul thought it not good to take him with them because John, Mark, had departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. Ministry is work. I don't care what you think of what Andrew does, what I do, or whatever. It's, it's work. I mean, the hours you spend is <laughs> work. Hallelujah. Okay. And then it continues on. It says, and the contention was so sharp between them. That is the word parazuxos. 
Okay? The contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, and Paul chose Silas and departed, being recommended by the brethren unto the grace of God. The contention was so sharp between them that it caused probably Barnabas to poke, to prick, to stick with a sharp instrument to come alongside Paul and to begin poking him, pricking him, sticking him, that he wanted to take his nephew and the sharpened instrument. You know what the proverb says? There is that speaks like the piercing of a sword, but the tongue of the wise is health. And Barnabas was jabbing Paul and jabbing Paul. And I've heard it said that they actually probably got into a fist fight because that word parazuxos means combat. And this is the exact word that the Holy Spirit chose to use in this scene right here where Paul and Barnabas got into it. And you know what? It called them to combat. It called it them to be irritated, to be incited, to be angry, and to inflamed and to enraged. And you know what they did? The Holy Ghost in Acts chapter 13 said through prophets and teachers, separate from me, Paul and Barnabas, because I've got work I want them to do. And they stopped the ministry that the Lord had called them to be in together. You know how they did it? By walking in low-level love. High-level love does not do that. High-level love does not get provoked to that place. We may have disagreements, but because we walk in love, we figure out, how, okay, how are we going to do this then? Okay, we'll bring John with us. But I am going to be so hard on him, he's going to wish he never came. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Okay, this shows that anyone can have a fit of carnality. Isn't that something else? Even Brother Paul, the big Paul. And Barnabas, even him had a fit of carnality. And anyone can operate on a low level of love. Thank you, Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. Love does, this is the RIV. Love does not deliberately engage in actions or speak words that are so sharp that they cause an ugly or violent response. Did you hear that? This high level of love does not deliberately engage in actions or speak words that are so sharp that they cause an ugly or violent response. That's just part of verse 5. Then it goes on to say, Love thinks no evil. Love thinketh no evil. Agape love, which is deposited in excess in our hearts, does not think evil. That word thinketh is actually the term that is used for a bookkeeper. This is huge. Okay? A bookkeeper. And here's the definition of it. To mathematically count, to calculate, thinketh. To mathematically count, to calculate, or tabulate, or to make a conclusion to keep records used in the bookkeeping world to portray the idea of a balance sheet for a profit or in loss statement that a bookkeeper prepared at the end of the month or year to make a calculation. And here's the RIV version of it. Renner interpretive version is what this is, okay? Love does not deliberately keep records of wrongs or past mistakes. I can't go there. She's going to be there. I can't go there. You know I never go back to that place. You know I'm not ever going to go to that church. I'm, you go, but whatever. I'm not going there, okay? I saw how they looked at me the last time I was there. Thinketh 
no evil. So Paul is using this meaning to refer to an offended believer who keeps detailed records of everything ever done to him. To keep, they keep every disappointment, they keep every injury, they keep every word spoken, they keep every wrong that has ever been done to them, they keep detailed records just like a bookkeeper has an entry for every debit and every credit on the books, and this person stores in their memories all the mistakes, all the faults, all the grievances, all the disappointments, all the failures, and they even have perceived wrongdoings that they believe somebody has committed or holds against them. Perceived wrongdoings. I perceived that you did not want to speak to me when you spoke to someone else. Okay, rather than obey the word of God and forgive and let it go, they've hung on to it all. And they've kept meticulous records of it all. This is not the way agape love, the love, God's love, high level love operates or behaves. Well, you might ask, what should I do with someone who has sinned against me and I perceived that they have thought something about me or they feel a certain way about me. What should I do, Brother Paul? Here's the words my wife says to me. Get over it. <laughs> okay, you, Mr. or Mrs. Christian, should act like God. You should do exactly what God does and do the scriptures. Psalm 103, verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Isn't God wonderful? And we've done all these things against him and to him. Amen? God has chosen to do that, and that's what you and I must do. We must choose. There's times I've had to forgive people a hundred times a day. I forgive them. Bubbles up again. That dirty, rotten, no good. I forgive them. You have to choose to. You have to choose to. God has chosen to permanently put these things out of his mind and remove them from us, and he separated them from us, and that, will, that is what you and I must do with their past, their things they've done, but we, almost, we have to do that with our past wrongs. That's what love does. Jesus put it this way in Mark chapter 11, verse 25. He says, When you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any, for if you do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive you. Amen? So you've got to forgive. And Jesus also said, if someone has offense against you and you're fixing to give your tithe or your gift and you're at the altar and you're praying and the Lord reminds you, hey, so-and-so's got something against you, take your tithe, put it back in your pocket and go to your brother and say, I must have done something to offend you. If I did, would you please forgive me? Hon, is that really where you think the Lord is leading us? Yes, I do. I will walk with you in it. Honey, do you, do you really, is that really aggravating you that I don't pick up on that's what you like done? It's really aggravating. I'll do the dishes from now on. <laughs> okay? High level love. Is that really hard to figure out and do? It's not. Okay, what about you? What about how you treated someone? What about me? How I treated someone? When I stole some, from someone, when I lied to someone, when I envied someone, when I fornicated and people knew about it, or when I may have even committed adultery. 
And you know, we, I've never done that. I've never committed adultery. And I've never, I've, fornication, yes, before marriage and stuff, but just to clarify things so your wandering mind don't get locked on that stuff, okay? Hallelujah. But people have done that, and they want everybody who knows about their situation to wipe it all clean so that when I get around them, but when they see brother or sister so-and-so who's done something to them, what about us? Okay? We can't forget all our wrongs and not forgive everybody else all their wrongs. I'm talking to you about high level of love. I'm talking to you about 1 Corinthians chapter 13, what it's really saying in there. Get these things out of your way if you have to forgive yourself, but be able to forgive everybody else and let it go. Real love says that. I must let it go. Or I like how Diane puts it. Get over it. Amen. Here's the RIV. Love doesn't manipulate situations or scheme and devise methods that will twist situations to its own advantage. Love does not deliberately engage in actions or speak words that are so sharp they can cause an ugly or violent response. And love does not deliberately keep records of wrongs or past mistakes. If there is anyone you are holding hostage in your mind, like someone you won't get around because you keep an attitude toward them, you have perceived probably wrongly in your perception about them. You are so discerning that you know that's what they're thinking about you. You've probably perceived wrongly, and because of that you refuse to live the high level of love life, and you're unaware that you're not living this love life. And you know what that, that living that low life does? It stops you from receiving from Lord. the Lord. You can look at your life and where you did not choose to live the high level of love life, your walk with the Lord is stagnant right there. You haven't become any form of a more mature, more stronger, more ability to please the Lord in what you're doing than where you were then when you chose to not walk in high level love. You are the same Christian one year ago, two years ago, 30 years ago, that you were because you choose to not be a love of God person. Amen? Everyone else had to get over your attitude. Now you've got to get over theirs. I have to get over it. And you might need to talk to someone. You might not need to talk to someone. Okay? You might need to, uh, you might need to even take your meticulous records, your bookkeeping, and throw that stupid book away. You might need to figure out who it is that really aggravates you and you think that they've got something about you and on purpose, go find them. And you don't have to say a word about what you've perceived or thought or know. You just start loving them on purpose because that is what high-level love does. Didn't Jesus come after you? God commended or demonstrated in love to us, even his love to us, even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. How much the more do we have to do it? I'm almost done. Okay? I'm almost done. 
Really, you and I are not any better off than anyone, or not better than anyone else. We may be better off. You may be more intellectually smart than me, which isn't a big deal. I really got about a sixth grade education. I really do. I cheated from seventh grade all the way through twelfth grade. I cheated every test, everything, all the way, and walked out of school, twelfth grader, graduating with my diploma, a sixth grader. Amen. I couldn't form a correct paragraph if I had to. Hallelujah. <laughs> but has the Lord withheld it from me? No. Okay. So you may be better off mentally. You may be better off financially. You may be better off physically. Okay. But you're not better than other people. Or but you, you're not any better than other people in what we have done in our offenses to others and to the Lord. Amen. We're all in the same boat when it comes to sin or disobedience or walking in a low level of love. So what you have to do is you have to choose. I'm going to read it to you again, the RIV. Love doesn't manipulate situations or scheme and devise methods that will twist situations to its own advantage. Love does not deliberately engage in actions or speak words that are so sharp they can cause an ugly or violent response. Love doesn't deliberately keep records of wrongs or past mistakes. And the Bible clearly tells us to examine ourselves to see whether we be in the faith and to see if we're reprobates. You know what reprobate means? That I think of myself as a, or I portray myself as a real good Christian when really inside I know that I'm really not a good Christian. That's just my version of what reprobate means. You can Google it, what does reprobate mean? And it's going to bring up that for you, okay? Hallelujah, okay? And if you're going to say that you are a Christian, I gave estimates for years. And when I'd give an estimate and someone would say, now brother, I'm a Christian and I really must be wise with how I handle the Lord's money, I would think, it ain't the Lord's money. Yes, he's given you the money to use, but he put it in your pocket. It's your money. And I would say sometimes to preachers, you're a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ? then you are serving the richest man that ever lived and existed. And he should be able to meet all your needs. And so I should be able, if anybody, to charge full price, charge you full price. Because you're serving the, ooh, you talk about aggravate. Thinks no evil. Forgive me, Lord, for thinking that. <laughs> okay. Hallelujah. The things we do. Okay, here we go. If you're going to say you're a Christian, then this level of love is mandatory. Otherwise, when Jesus returns, you probably won't make the rapture. And I am really concerned if you hold on to your record of offenses book that you may not even make heaven. Don't you wish Jesus would have said, many are going to come to me on that day and say, Lord, Lord, Hey, hey, I did all this stuff in your name. I did a lot of work for you. Dangerous stuff, isn't it? High-level love. It would probably be best for you and me to right now self-correct. It would be best for you and me to let our 
probably wrong perception go. Get it corrected with others. Get it corrected with the Lord. I'm going to read to you agape, the meaning of agape again, okay? A divine love that gives and gives, even if it's never responded to, thanked or acknowledged. This love occurs when an individual sees, recognizes, understands, or appreciates the value of an object or a person, causing the viewer to behold this object or person in great esteem, awe, admonition, wonder, and sincere appreciation. Such a great respect is awakened in the heart of the observer for the object or person he is beholding that he is compelled to love it. It is also a love for a person or object that is irresistible, a love so profound that it knows no limits or boundaries in how far, wide, high, and deep it will go to show that love to the person who needs to receive it. A self-sacrificial love that moves the lover to action. Is that not beautiful? That's what's in you. That's what's in me. That's what Jesus said. This is how they're going to know that you're learning how to be like me by this high level of love. Andrew, would you play our song, please, sir? So, if you find yourself like I did in, my, in some of these areas, right now, I mean right now, get this stuff cleared up. Right now. If you don't find any of these in your life, hallelujah.